You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff, and I am unusually kicking off things today. Thank you for, I got, for I got your service. Pressured into it by uh, the Thank guys. Thank you for in your studio. pressured service. <laughs> Peer pressure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got uh, my normal cohort. Cohorts. That's the word I was going for. Yep. So I've got my normal cohorts in the studio. I'm looking over here at uh, Ken and Neil's lovely faces. How are you guys doing today? I'm just worried about Matt. Yeah, I'm worried about Matt, too. I, hey, I don't what's know if, going on with Matt? Well, I don't know if you saw in the news, but he was one of the many victims of Stanley from The Office uh, soliciting money <laughs> on Kickstarter, the $100,000 that he had to return. So luckily, Matt got his money back, and so he took that money, and right now he's on the advisory board of a DJ Scat Cat uh, you know, Comic-Con convention type thing that's 90, in. 99000 of that was Matt. It was, uh, and now he's running this DJ Scat Cat uh, thing in Boise, Idaho. So good luck to him. Cash in all that Bitcoin has, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. And what do you think about Stanley? You're a big Office fan, and so is Ken. Um, I know if it was uh, Kevin, he would be smart enough that he wouldn't have to pay it back. So Kevin's just doing commercials. Well, commercials, and he's he's making bank on his cameo and radio show. So I mean, good for him. I don't really need a Stanley standalone show, though. I don't. Yeah, think. I'm not. I'm no Stanley Stan myself. But okay, yeah, that's true. But I, I could see you guys being a fan of like a Creed standalone. Of course. Creed. I, don't, I don't think any of the characters on that show can do it by themselves. <laughs> but would you pay to see a movie called Creed, which is a shot-for-shot remake of Michael B. Jordan's you know, Creed, seen, but starring three, Creed? I've seen three of those, actually. But, but starring Creed, though. Yeah, I'd watch four of those. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. They they can't support a show, but I'd be in for the chaos of a, of a Creed pilot. So. All right. Well, that's that's not too bad, then. Uh, but speaking of supporting characters on The Office, well we have some... done. I was like, "Where? How are we going to transition?" This? <laughs> we, have, we have some really great supporting characters today, Jeff. Why don't you introduce them? Yeah, why don't we start with uh, uh, today's guest, who's going to be partnering up with you, Neil? Uh, we've got Jared Tao coming to us from Tampa, Florida. Jared is an Oakland Five patron, which we greatly appreciate. Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe how you got into trivia or found our show? Uh, hey guys, thanks. Uh, so really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. So I started listening to Triviality actually about six or seven months ago. Um, I've always been a fan of bar trivia. Me and my buddies, we used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings every Wednesday and play. And uh, I was just trying to find another pastime kind of to, to fill that trivia void. Um, and then that's how I found you guys. 
Uh, and then, yeah, so living in Tampa right now. I'm actually in the uh, Air Force. That's why I'm out here. I got stationed out here at McDill. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, for coming on and joining us. Appreciate your uh, your listenership and support. But uh, Neil, of course, would always say that we can't have a game without a host. So uh, we've got another Oakland 5 patron coming to us from Fairfield, California. And that is Corey Uhald. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm doing great. Was just uh, appreciating the office intro and wondering, uh, thinking to myself, if I'd rather be fear loved. And it's easy both. I definitely want people to be afraid of how much they love me. So. <laughs> Good point. Glad that uh, you appreciated that. We don't always get uh, that immediate feedback on on how these bits go. So <laughs> glad we could. Are you uh, superstitious or a little stitious? I'm just a little stitious. Okay. <laughs> well, it makes sense. I uh, it seems like a practical kind of guy. But Corey, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what we're going to be up to today? Uh, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, I live in uh, Fairfield, California. It's uh, sort of equidistant between uh, San Francisco and Sacramento. I'm a high school teacher uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, credentialed in social studies, but moved over several years back, and now I teach uh, the leadership and student activities programs uh, at our school. So. We put on the dances and the pep rallies uh, that everyone's familiar with, but also focus on uh, community outreach, um, reaching different four corners of our campus and, and stuff as well. So uh, definitely a passion of mine. Uh, and I also just want to say that I got my start with uh, trivia games as a classroom teacher, writing these games for my uh, sophomore and junior world history uh, and U.S. history classes. And then uh, during the pandemic shutdown, when everybody had to lock themselves in their basements, uh, my school asked if there was something we could do to kind of boost camaraderie and morale. And so I started writing these games for our staff members and they became a little bit of a uh, social haven for people. And then we continued those out uh, through 2020 and ran some online games. Um, and so that's sort of where this all comes from. Well, that sounds awesome and fulfilling. Uh, glad you uh, found your niche there and at the high school level. And uh, without further ado, let's pick some team names, shall we? Jared, I think you had a, an idea for your team, which is uh, you and Neil. Yeah, so uh, I like to stick with like current event team names. Um, so something that happened recently, a big college football guy. Um, with the uh, recent moves in the conferences, the Big Ten recently scooped up Wisconsin, uh, sorry, not uh, Washington and Oregon, um, taking us to 18 total teams. Uh, that, in combination with the new 12-team playoff expansion, seems like college football's headed for a little bit of a hectic future. So I was thinking about the team name NC Mayday. NC Mayday, all right. And you know what's on top of my mind, Neil? Yeah, you went to go see the movie Talk to Me. Yeah, good Australian film for our Australian listeners. And I believe it's getting a sequel already. Already? Yeah. Well, the I, I think it deserves a sequel. It was pretty good. The uh, idea of the movie, though, is that these like teens sort of use this uh, spiritual ghost connection mm -hmm. as like a party device to kind of like TikTok and you know oh like when we they, used to play with of, the Ouija board yeah kind of like that kind of but it's like legit. it like works so I'm like <laughs> nope not for me talk to Jeff instead so we're gonna be talk to Jeff all right talk to Jeff and NC don't Mayday talk, don't don't be talking to me <laughs> and speaking of Australia Neil yeah uh, let's uh, thank Natalie Anderson for uh, this great rules read let's go to Natalie the Aussie rules of the game are simple. 
20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorised questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Thank you, Natalie, for the Aussie rules read, as she said. It's very complicated now with the Aussie rules. It is. There's kicking and posts and I don't know how Full tackle, no pads. Full tackle, yeah, no, I don't know if no you could, pads, bouncing every three steps or whatever. <laughs> I don't understand it. Ten anymore. meters, I believe. But also, I uh, I don't uh, know if anybody heard, but she had uh, her 17 teammates uh, in the background as well. So you got to really listen up for all those. Thank you to them. Without further ado, Corey, you want to take it away with question one? You got it. We got uh, round one here. This is a general knowledge round. So uh, as we sometimes hear on the show, uh, I'll provide uh, categories which may or may not help you uh, get to the answer from the same or a different direction. So round one, question one, the category is a good old fashioned cook off. And uh, the question, what country is often referred to as Pais de Poetas, land of the poets? Its southernmost point makes it the southernmost country in the entire world. And just because this is the first question, I've got a few opportunities for some bonus. I figured I'd start out with one. So after that, the two-point bonus question for this, since this is País de Poetas, name either of the two poets from this country who have won the Nobel Prize in Literature. All right. So Ken and I uh, really collaborated on this one. I seem to know the country. He seemed to know a poet. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and lock in. So, kind of stumped on the poets. Um, I might have an idea about the country. Um, I believe the category was cooking related, and I feel like I've heard Tierra del Fuego might be the southernmost point, and I believe that belongs to Chile. Does it not? That does sound right. Okay, so for that one, I think the answer is going to be Chile. Um, As for the poets, I think we're both pretty stumped, so we're just going to go ahead and say Mojo Jojo. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know i'll throw in maya angelo all right good guesses both great poets um for the country uh jeff says argentina and i said pablo neruda i totally the... missed that cooking thing and i thought there was some i said I, chile i know chile comes down south of argentina you saw me say it yeah? but i thought there was some nonsense with islands or something all but right, i think right. i'm wrong i and think you're right my the poet i chose was pablo neruda all right, so uh, <clears throat> we do have some, some right answers in there somewhere. I think we have a mixed bag here. The, uh, yes, the clue of a good old-fashioned cook-off is a reference, of course, to Chile. And so this is Chile is the answer for the southernmost point of a country in the world. And then the uh, two poets, one a little bit more ambiguous, Gabri- Gabriela Mistral is the first, but then Pablo Neruda uh, is the Chilean Nobel Prize winner. Great, we'll move on to question number two in round number one. The category here is the art of performance. And the question, Shad Khan, who is of Pakistani descent, is the only non-white majority controlling owner of a National Football League team. Which team, which has never appeared in a Super Bowl, does Khan own? All right, we're locked in. I think you know this one, Jared, uh, from your proximity to this team, um, but uh, I can lock in or say the answer if you don't know it. So I actually don't know this one. Um, I'm not a big, so I'm actually from Michigan originally. Okay. 
Uh, so I'm a big Lions fan, and I know we've never been to the Super Bowl, but I know he's, I don't think he's our owner, so. Well, I think um, uh, you might have had a tumultuous uh, lifetime, you know, rooting for the uh, the Lions, but uh, the fans of this team has also had a very tumultuous time as well, so it's the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. All the big cat teams not doing well. The cat team's not doing well, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah, Bengals, usually a bungle, so, um, but yeah, we said the Jags, so. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, one of the big cat teams. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, of course, uh, the art of performance, the category there, a reference that is the uh, slogan or tagline of uh, Jaguar Automotive. We got we got to start listening to the uh, topics here. I know. I, I I have to pay attention. Oh, to trust well. me, three is not going to matter now that we're like. Yeah, we'll see. Here is question number three with a category that's not going to help you at all. The category is amazing anagrams. Locked in. <laughs> <laughs> And the question, what company that was founded in the 1850s and dominated the American telegraph industry for more than 100 years before shifting its focus to monetary transfers and financial services is fittingly an anagram for, quote, no wire unsent? After hearing this question, I'm pretty sure I know it, so I'm just going to lock in for our team. Do you have any guesses here, Jeff? Yeah, I think I just unscrambled it myself. I want to double check the letters, but it looks like it might be Western Union. Yeah, that looks right. So that's what I want to go with. And uh, my brain got a nice transfer from Western Union as well. That's what we locked in with. That's one you either get to or you don't get to. It is Western Union, the answer for number three. All right, three questions done. We move on to number four. And question number four is a question that will live in infamy. Your question, what recognizable Hollywood film director got his start producing iconic music music videos, including Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love and the Divinals I Touch Myself, not to mention an iconic Got Milk commercial featuring Aaron Burr as the question to a call-in radio trivia contest? So Pearl Harbor's director was... Uh... Uh, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. And I'm pretty sure he directed that Aaron Burr commercial. That's right. So. And since, yeah, the day that we'll live in infamy was Pearl Harbor is what Jeff was getting at. Correct. Gotcha. All right, Michael Bay. We locked in with Michael Bay. As the camera does a full 360. Spins around us and something blows up in the background. So if we look at a question that will live in infamy, that is, of course, a reference to Pearl Harbor, directed by Michael Bay, who also did those music videos, and that timeless Aaron Burr commercial. Michael Bay, the answer for number four. Nice. Awesome. These are great questions so far. They're very good. Yes. Any, well, I feel like knowing Michael Bay, too, we should finish the rest of this game and get some spray tan, sweat a lot, maybe bring this operation down to Miami. I don't know. Yeah. Get the sign. Yeah, I know the peanut butter and jelly sandwich transformed that person's mouth into glue, so. Great, we'll move on. Question number five here in round number one, and the category is mud on your poker face. This is a question about Disney's 1994 Angels in the Outfield movie that featured a host of recognizable faces. Which two actors from the film, both who played Angels players, would go on to win Best Actor Academy Awards. I'll give five points for each correct answer. And this is our second bonus point opportunity. This is a two-point bonus Wagner question. The 1994 Disney version is a remake, actually, of a 1951 film. And of course, the Angels weren't around then. What National League team was featured in the 1951 original? 
that's a two-point bonus opportunity. Jared, I hate to close our discussions on this one, but I, I can lock in all three if, if you're okay with that. That's perfectly fine with me. I have no idea on any of these answers. Okay, I, you'll know who they are, but I'll lock in for us. Is Angels in the Outfield the one with like Tony Danza and Christopher Lloyd? Am I thinking of the right film? Yeah. I can't picture anybody but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Christopher Lloyd, and Danny Glover. I and can't picture the players. Tony Danza, right? Isn't Tony Danza Tony, one of the players? Tony Danza, not an Academy Award winner. Right. I'm going to pitch this ball. He was um, good, though. He was really good. Two strikes. I'm ready I to can't, go. I can't picture any of the other players. Yeah. I can't do it. Mud Let's... on your poker face? So, good point. Uh, there was a movie called Mud <laughs> yeah. with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I believe he was in that movie. And I think he was in that movie. And I think he won an Academy yes, Award. Yes, he did. Yeah. For... So, we'll say Matthew McConaughey yeah. and poker face. Poker. For the Austin Sellers Club. Lady, it's Lady not, Gaga. It's not Lady Gaga, obviously. Uh, um, it could it be someone who's like a part of the Joaquin Phoenix, because Lady Gaga's in his new movie, and he won. Well, he's got a Joker face, but let's say Joaquin Phoenix and you think it was Joaquin Phoenix? No, but let's oh. say Joaquin Phoenix and Matthew McConaughey well, well, and the Dodgers. Okay, um, I think they're one out of three on those. Um, Matthew McConaughey is for sure one. He was an outfielder. Uh, the other one was Adrian Brody. And the no team, way. yeah, and the team in the original uh, starred uh, Janet Lee, Jimmy Lee Curtis's mom. It was the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, answers here. The two uh, future best actor winners are uh, Matthew McConaughey, who played outfielder Ben Williams, and then uh, portraying a wily and wiry utility man, uh, Danny Hemmerling, was Adrian Brody. And uh, Mud on Your Poker Face, a reference to the film Mud with McConaughey and uh, Poker Face. Of course, the NBC slash Peacock the uh, series here with Adrian Brody. Uh, it sounded better than Mud on Your Pianist. Um, <laughs> Dude, that would have been so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and the original 1951 film uh, did feature the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I guess uh, they went with Angels in the Outfield and not uh, Pirates on the pirate ship or whatever else it would have been. Great question, though. Am and I correct in thinking after five that they are batting perfect? I think Baseball they are. Intended. We got some good score commie going on. Uh, we have 37 points. And it looks like uh, over at Team MC Mayday, they're batting more than perfect with 52. Nice. So, With teams scoring more than perfect, we'll have to turn the screws up as we move on. But uh, let's go to question number six. Question number six in the category of they can't stop all of us. Your question, according to the Central Intelligence Agency, Homey Airport, that's H-O-M-E-Y, and Groom Lake are the technically correct names for what site that was the focus of a major 2019 social media event. I think this one might be referring to Area 51. Oh, is that when all those people like uh, rushed Area 51 and they like, t you know, taped it or whatever on social yeah. media? That Yeah, that yeah, totally makes sense. sounds about right for that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that that totally does because homie. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's let's lock in with Area Fifty One. Yep, that's where everybody was trying to do the uh, Naruto run uh, through the gates, and uh, we said Area Fifty One. Just back before uh, when the world was still sane, uh, the case of all of us was the. Uh, this <laughs> was the sane version. You can't <laughs> prove it. <laughs> I love you. Social media event, uh, homie airport, and group like are the names for Area Fifty One. 
Great. That takes us to question number seven. And uh, I can spell this category for you if you like, but the category name is ah. And the question, the name of what lightly carbonated alcoholic beverage that was introduced by Coors in 1993 and discontinued in the United States in 2008 means winter in many Slavic languages. Ken? Yeah, we're pretty sure we can lock it. You ever, you ever crack one of these and toss it back? No, but I know Neil used to. And uh, I've heard <laughs> the he? horror stories. No. All right, uh, Jared, uh, do you know this one? Oh, man. Uh, that is definitely before I started drinking. Um, but lightly carbonated. I had a guess, but I don't think it's right because I think they still sold it. My guess was Zima, but I don't know if that would be correct. That was uh, that was my guess as well because uh, there there is a famous I don't know like challenge or whatever like the Smirnoff Ice Challenge but um, Smirnoff Ice uh, you know wouldn't be translating into winter for anything but I think Zima makes sense it was sort of a laughing stock of the alcohol world and I've seen a few of these in person. No, you've had a Zima. I think no? I have. I think I have. Yeah. So what what what's the uh, flavor profile? Is it just the white claws now? Is that what it was? It's basically it was, it was like a white claw. It was like before, a white claw. Yeah, but it was more it was refined. Before its time, it was white before claws it, like boozy Lacroix. Though. Zima was before its time. I'm calling it now. The best way I can describe it is a white claw would be like a shirtless guy at the beach with like a large chain, and a Zima would be a guy in a full business suit uh, reenacting Jason Bateman. Or not Jason Bateman, Patrick Bateman, <laughs> <laughs> or both maybe. I don't know. And the answer? Yeah, I, I like the tagline of like a white claw but more refined. Uh, discontinued in 2008, there were a few um, sort of uh, revisions or uh, bringing it back to the marketplace, which they didn't catch. This is Zima. Uh, Zima. And as I was reading up on it, uh, apparently it also uh, found a home in the Japanese marketplace. It was huge uh, in Japan right up until COVID. But I was reading about it and they said it's because it was marketed to all genders, all ages, rather than just women in their 20s. And I felt like a real shot across the bow. Uh, <laughs> Zima is the, the drink for all of us. <laughs> the people's drink, if you will. I feel like I've definitely seen it in stores more recently than that, but I guess there may have just been some stragglers or they, something. They hadn't sold yet. <laughs> They're from 2008. <laughs> They're like, somebody bought like a storage Honestly, locker. Honestly, very possible. A lot, of, un, a lot of unfair Zimaphobia, if you ask me. Zimaphobia is solid. All right, question number eight. Question number eight. Everyone's favorite category been waiting. This is X-rated grammar. X-rated grammar. And the question, what is the actual grammatical term for a question mark followed immediately by an exclamation point? So that's question mark immediately followed by an exclamation point. Sometimes this is actually transcribed with the two punctuation symbols directly on top of one another, which is maybe a little too appropriate given the name. Can we go ahead and lock in? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of this particular punctuation. You are. Um, Jared, uh, what do you think? I think I have an idea, but what do you what do you think? I, I believe I do know this one. I think it's called an interrobang. Oh, perfect, because I was I was a little way a little off on my I thought it was like an intobang, but uh, yeah, interrobang sounds a lot better. Um, yeah, have you do you use this quite often? I do in my text for sure. <laughs> It sounds like a personal question. <laughs> well, he's got an OnlyFans just for all of his interrobangs, so and different fonts. But yeah, we can lock in interrobang. Yeah, we said uh, the interrobang. 
We locked in on X-rated grammar a little faster than I anticipated, but this is the interrobang. Interrobang, that is correct. All right, question number nine. This is a uh, probably a familiar category for game show fanatics. Uh, this is a before and after, so classic uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune style before and after. The two clues will share a conjoining word or name. So the question is, <clears throat> the only person to serve as United States president in the 20th century without attending college, presumably because he was busy writing a nonfiction novel chronicling the 1959 murders of four members of the Clutter family in Holcomb, Kansas. Ken, we can lock in. Yes, we can. Um, I think I have an idea on this one, Jared. So the 1959 murders of four members of the Clutter family, I believe that's a Truman Capote book. In Cold okay. Blood, I believe, or so then... in lukewarm uh, platelets. Um, I, so, yeah, that would be what, Harry S. Truman Capote? Right, yeah. We said the same thing, Harry S. Truman Capote. That is absolutely correct for both teams, Harry Truman Capote. And to wrap up round number one, this is question 10, and uh, we do have a bonus uh, little rider attached to question 10 as well, so it's two parts. Question 10, the category is way down in the hole. And the question, what American metropolis got the nickname Charm City? from a 1970s advertising campaign where tourists could pick up charms at each of five highlighted attractions. The city is the birthplace of Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Babe Ruth, former Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, and current motivational speaker and perpetual Emmy snub David Hasselhoff. The two-point bonus rider here, the name of this city also gives its name to a 1978 musical album from what singer-songwriter and civil rights activist whose 1992 autobiography was titled I Put a Spell on You? I can't remember the singer off the top of my head. Funny thing is David Hasselhoff um, moved um, in childhood from that to a town not too far from here because um, my uncle went to high school with him. But Well, we are locked <laughs> in on the main answer, and that is good enough, I say. Uh, it works for me. Do you have any slow motion footage of your uncle and David Hasselhoff shirtless on the beach? Not interested. Not that I'd want it. I was just uh, curious. I've got the Hoff, and that's good enough. So, uh, Jared? Uh, not for me, for somebody else. <laughs> not for, yeah, of course, for someone else. What are you thinking, Jared? Oof. Uh, I'm pretty stumped on this one. If I had to throw out, I guess, I don't know. For some reason, St. Louis sounds good. Oh, I could see that too. I I'm leaning towards uh, Baltimore just because uh, they used to call uh, Baltimore the Charm City on the Wire, where where it takes place. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming it's Charm City. And if you're cool with it, um, the the bonus one is is throwing me for a loop a little bit because most famously that song is sung by Nina Simone, who I I believe was a civil rights activist as well. But I believe the original version of that song was was sung and written by Screamin' Jay Hawkins, so I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm assuming Nina Simone would have a, a more famous autobiography, so it, I, you know, up to you if you want to go Nina or Screamin' Jay Hawkins for the bonus. Um, I would lean Nina. I honestly have not heard of either of those names, but Nina sounds better. Okay, um, then we'll lock in with those answers. Nina Simone for the bonus, and then uh, Baltimore for Charm City. Yeah, we didn't have the second answer. We just said Baltimore. Yeah, uh, he mentioned uh, the show, The Wire, the HBO show, and the uh, category title there, Way Down in the Hole, is, of course, the theme song from The Wire, uh, sung famously in five different renditions to, for each of the five seasons. 
This is Baltimore, Baltimore, and um, sort of ruined my swing round, which was all about screaming Jay Hawkins. But um, actually, the answer for this number ten is Nina Simone. Ooh, I'm glad I went that route. Okay, good. Did, have they not missed a question yet? Jared might be my my you know new new favorite person and partner for the rest of my life. So I think we're doing really well. My best I've ever <laughs> showed here. Well, we have 87 points. How about you guys? Uh, we have uh, Jeff 104. Yeah, I believe that sounds right. Brutal. Well, let's move on to the swing round and hope uh, it favors us a little better. I mean, when you're killing it and your best when you're isn't killing good it, enough, you're killing it, you know. But fortune favors the bold and the beautiful, as they say. So I'm sure you guys will come right back. Here we go. All right, let's move on to the swing round. The swing round has a theme here. Uh, I title this uh, super creatively, uh, also a world capital. So I'm going to give you a clue and the answer to each of these questions. Or each of these questions <laughs> Neil just closed his eyes. <laughs> that was where we clawed and, back. And Jeff is doing a happy dance. Sorry, uh, continue. It's <laughs> also a world capital city. So I've got a sample for you. I'll throw it out there. If I were to ask you uh, what the buffalo do near the range, uh, the answer there would be Rome. That is Rome, correct. So homonyms are fair game, uh, and I don't need you to tell me uh, the name of the country, even though you might know them. Uh, I also have 13 of these, which I'll run through fairly quickly, uh, give you the time to uh, hash through them. But 13, one of my luckiest numbers, so I figure uh, why not go to it. So 13 questions. That's right. 13 uh, questions in also a world capital. Number one is an American new wave band that gained prominence in the 1980s with hit songs Metro, Sex, and Take My Breath Away. Number two, this is the son of King Priam and Queen Hecuba, best known for his elopement with Helen of Troy. Number three, a film in which middle school music teacher Joe Gardner seeks to reunite his essence and his body after the two are separated. Number four, an American author whose short stories include To Build a Fire and An Odyssey of the North. Number five, a tabletop drinking game whose name was coined at either Bucknell or Lehigh University, depending on the source, during the early to mid-1980s. Number six, a Billy Joel song with the lyrics, but you know that when the truth is told, that you can get what you want or you can just get old. You're going to kick off before you even get halfway through. Ooh. Number seven, a member of the U.S. Marine Corps who was victim when Jessup ordered a code red. You're goddamn right he did. Number eight, three clues to get to the same answer. This is either an alternate spelling of a red Italian grape varietal, it's also a breed of rabbit, and it's also a 2017 Camila Cabello number one musical single. Number nine, a document enclosure formed by folding in half a thick sheet of card, typically buff in color. Number 10, the first name of place kicker Santos, the first Brazilian-born player in the NFL. Number 11, it's the 10th largest city in the United States, but only the third largest in its own state. Number 12, a steak dish of English origin in which the meat is wrapped in puff pastry and baked. 
And number 13, finally, the first name of the film director who won the 2004 Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for Lost in Translation. All right, we have our questions. We'll be considering these after this break. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are back to the show. Uh, we'll get to the swing round in just one moment. But first, we'd like to, as always, thank our playtesters. They uh, ensure that we have great games here on Triviality. And... Uh, Make sure that the uh, quality is up to snuff. So thanks again to the playtesters and Louis, of course. The uh, king playtester, is that what we say? I think that's what's on his name. Le name grand playtester. Yeah. And we also want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Patreon is so important to what we do because it's where the bulk of our income comes from regarding the show. And uh, it enables us to uh, do things like go to SporkleCon and, uh, you know, upgrade equipment and... Uh, you know, fix up our studio so the uh, show sounds better. Yeah, get uh, get uh, extensions in our kneecaps and our shins so we can get taller. Yeah, it does mean a lot to us, and uh, we, we really can't thank our Patreon supporters enough. Uh, if everybody just gave a little teeny tiny bit, we could just keep pumping these episodes out. So please do check out our Patreon uh, page. And, uh, Neil, what do you got? Uh, yeah, just wanted to say uh, in uh, basically one week's time, uh, my next book is going to be releasing early. So it was going to be coming out October 10th, which is what I've been saying the last few weeks, but it's actually going to be coming out September 19th. So if you uh, would like to pre-order the book, I'd very much appreciate it or buy it when it comes out. It's called Behind the Screens, Illustrated Floor Plans and Scenes from the Best TV Shows of All Time. Um, I know everyone listening is a trivia fanatic, obviously, and I put a ton of trivia behind the scenes and Easter eggs in this book about 35 famous TV shows that I think will help you when it comes to trivia. There's uh, award show uh, trivia, all that good stuff that you should kind of file away into your brain uh, for all of your trivia needs. So if you uh, wouldn't mind uh, you know, giving a little support and pre-ordering the book or buy it as a gift for someone, uh, it's called Behind the Screens, and I'd very much appreciate it. All right, let's get the questions one more time, and we'll give our answers, see how we all did. Great. So the swing round was also a world capital. I provided a lucky number uh, 13 um, in Wikipedia phraseology. These are disambiguations of uh, 
disambiguations of uh, world capitals. And so number one is an American new wave band that gained prominence in the 1980s with hit songs, Metro, Sex, and Take My Breath Away. We said Berlin. We also said Berlin. And Berlin is the correct answer, of course, of uh, Top Gun fame, Take My Breath Away, the recognizable number there. Number two, the son of King Priam and Queen Hecuba, best known for his elopement with Helen of Troy. We said Paris. Yep, so we also said Paris. And Paris is correct. Number three, <clears throat> playing a little fast and loose here with spelling and pronunciation, but we're there. Film in which middle school music teacher Joe Gardner seeks to reunite his essence and his body after the two are separated. Yep, I was just going to say that. That movie takes a sharp turn, uh, but I quite enjoyed it, and that would be Soul. We said the thing that we'd all be okay selling if need be. We said Soul. How dare you? And at the last moment, I removed the word Pixar from this clue, thinking that uh, might trip us up a little bit more. This is Soul. Number four, I'm looking for the name of an American author whose short stories include To Build a Fire and An Odyssey of the North. Uh, we said London for Jack London. Yeah, so this one, Neil kind of got the very last second, but as soon as he said it, I really like the answer. We also said London. I was kind of excited about the uh, consternation that this clue caused uh, and thinking that... Uh, Originally, the phraseology was uh, whose novels include White Fang and Call of the Wild, but I uh, thought the short stories might give us a little bit more pause for thought. This is London, as in Jack London. Number five is a tabletop drinking game whose name was coined at either Bucknell or Lehigh University during the early to mid-1980s. Uh, this one we did not know. Uh, we just guessed Amsterdam. Mm, nice. Yeah, we had no idea. Uh, we thought it was the capital city of Flippy Cup. Well, I attended uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. We take our uh, beer pong very seriously there, and uh, we take exception when people refer to it as Beirut. Beirut. Number six, uh, I'm looking for a Billy Joel song with the lyrics, but you know that when the truth is told that you can get what you want or you can just get old, you're going to kick off before you even get halfway through. Ooh, when will you realize? Uh, we think he's got a couple city named songs but we went with vienna well uh neither of us were uh Bill neither of us were billy joel fans so we just threw out the guess of uh, moscow well despite his age and his haggard appearance uh, my wife would still leave me instantly for uh william <laughs> joel the piano man so i had to throw in a uh, nod to him this is vienna the capital of austria Number seven, the mem a member of the United States Marine Corps who was victim when Jessup ordered a code red. You're goddamn right he did. This one sounds really familiar, but I, uh, I just can't pull it. And we just said Lima. Yep, love uh, hearing Jack Nicholson talk about Santiago in A Few Good Men's we locked in with. Without even realizing it, Chile getting uh, a lot of plugs here. This is the capital of Chile, Santiago. William F. Santiago, I believe. Number eight, uh, three clues to get there. And uh, I'm hoping that you guys are so good you got it with the first one, the alternate spelling of a red Italian grape varietal. And if not that one, maybe you got there with a breed of rabbit. Uh, we said Havana. Yep, we, I don't think I got it until the very end, but we also said Havana. This is Havana, the capital of Cuba. Number nine, again, uh, re relying on homonyms here, a document enclosure formed by folding in half a thick sheet of card that is typically buff in color. My favorite uh, flavor of card, uh, Manila. 
I have to give props to Jared on this one. I had no idea, and he pulled this one out, uh, and it was just a great answer. And I said, oh, that's the type of envelope that I, I get all the uh, dirty pictures when I go on my PI mission. So we said Manila. It is Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Moving on to number 10, I'm looking for the first name of place kicker Santos, the first Brazilian-born player in the National Football League. Uh, I can't remember what team he plays on, Eagles, I think, um, but we said Cairo Santos. So uh, Neil got this one, and I believe he mentioned he might be the place kicker for the Bears. <laughs> That's why I know him. surprised me that Cody Parkey is no longer there, uh, but we also said Cairo. This gentleman has bounced around a little bit from Kansas City and uh, Chicago. This is Kansas City Cairo. is where it was before. Cairo. Yep. Still with the Bears. Yep. I knew he was with the better team before. <laughs> <laughs> then we go on to number 11, sort of our obligatory math question here. It's the 10th largest city in the United States. However, only the third largest in its own state. So uh, going down in number by population, um, the largest one under a million, uh, number 10 would be San Jose. So. Ah, uh, San Jose. Well, we were kind of close. We said it was either Texas or California, and uh, we just locked in with San Diego, the guess. Do you say yeah, you... The, its population, it's the only what under a million? It's the first one. If you if you start in descending order from highest population, it is the first one under a million. So there's only nine U.S. cities with a population of a million or oh. greater. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, fast approaching. Uh, it's, I think, just under a million, about 980,000. Uh, you could eliminate all Montana and North Dakota cities right away, uh, but the largest city in California by population is Los Angeles, followed by San Diego, and then the capital of Costa Rica is San Jose. So this is San Jose, California. <clears throat> then we go to number 12. This is a steak dish of English origin in which the meat is wrapped in puff pastry and baked. You like to wrap your meat, yeah? Yeah, um, in a beef Wellington. So we said Wellington, which I believe is the capital of New Zealand. We also said Wellington, which I believe you are correct. It is the capital of New Zealand. Still waiting for them to uh, wrap the meat of a kiwi in pastry and bake it. And this is a Wellington. Wellington. And finally, number 13, I'm looking for the first name of the director who won the 2004 Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for the film Lost in Translation. Yeah, when you talk about uh, popular Japanese beverages, uh, I think for good times, right? For relaxing times, for the, <laughs> for the 90th time. I just like pissing Ken off, but this is Sofia Coppola. Uh, speaking of Santori, if you have a chance, just look up Sammy Davis Jr. Santori commercial. It's amazing. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a, a place with a huge film industry. We said Sofia, as in Sofia, Bulgaria. It is the capital of Bulgaria. Sofia is the correct answer. After the swing round, it looks like Talk to Jeff picking up a nice 55 points, bringing their total to 142, but still in the lead, NC Mayday picking up 50 points, bringing their total to 154. All right, we'll head then down to our next round. This is as well a general knowledge round. Again, category clues may or may not help you out. There are 10 questions here, and the first is category, but first, the credits. The question what musical term refers to the concluding passage of a piece or movement typically forming an addition to the basic structure? One of the most famous is a four-minute section of the Beatles' 1968 single, Hey Jude, that brought the total length of the song to over seven minutes. So I don't know formally what this would be, Jeff. Usually I would call this an outro. I don't know what, but first the credits means. Um, is there just... a specific what? name for like having credits at the start of a film mm, or i don't know 
Let's just say outro. I don't know. All right. Yeah. So I did grow up playing piano. I think the term that comes to mind for the end of a piece is coda. Yes. I, I was thinking either coda or refrain, but uh, musical coda. Yeah, that does that is a good okay. guess hmm. as well. Okay, now you're making me second guess. Refrain, that also seems to work here. Or uh, maybe it's like, but first the credits, meaning like refrain from leaving because there's credits or something. I don't know. That's yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's why it's called that, but I'm starting to think refrain might be correct now. I'm fine going with whatever. You, I, those are two great guesses. So do you want to go refrain? Yes, I'm good with that. Okay, that's what we're looking with. I think you might have talked to my the right answer. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh no so um yes we're actually looking for the musical term here referring to the concluding passage of a piece or movement is a coda and coda has multiple Thought references so. there the category but first the credits uh coda is another term for the scene that comes after the credits as well so if you see oh. those uh, the marvel films and such it's another use of coda mm. sorry about that uh jared I, I just was throwing out random words here and i screwed us Question number two, uh, this is one heck of a category clue, so I'll uh, spell it for you if you need, but the category is Quit Calayan Games With My Heart. And the question is, what American military man, nicknamed Old Blood and Guts, competed in the modern pentathlon at the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm? He placed 21st on the pistol range, seventh in swimming, fourth in fencing, sixth in equestrian and third in the foot race good enough for fifth overall and first among non-swedish competitors you're in the military jared uh do you guys talk about old blood and guts often um the name does sound familiar um but i cannot come up with who that might be the first name that comes to mind in terms of old military men is Patton, but i think he might have been later than that I like where your head's at, though, because 1912, maybe he was like in early 20s or something like that. So it would have been maybe 40s, 40 to 50 range during World War II, which I'm assuming this might be like a World War II um, person. Um, Patton, MacArthur, um, just trying to think of some other. Uh, Eisenhower, maybe. I doubt that one, though. But uh, Calais makes me think of France. Uh, so maybe someone who had a campaign in France. So, Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's lean. We'll go with uh, General Patton. Yeah, I just mostly going off the time period and the nickname. I think that pertains to Patton. I, I'm not quite sure. Well, we're looking for uh, an American general, uh, old blood and guts. And you guys were right as you talked through the ages here. In his younger days, he uh, competed in the Olympics. But by uh, World War II, he was then in his uh, 50s. This is uh, General Patton. And uh, one of Patton's uh, claims to fame, I guess he had several. But Calais is where the... Uh, fake invasion of Normandy was staged in France. So they sent all these blow-up rafts and boats, and they put uh, George Patton there as he was a, a military legend uh, to try to uh, redirect or, or uh, distract the uh, German forces from Normandy, the actual location. So I just sneak in my uh, history teacher uh, dorkiness there. Kind of like our own Operation Mincemeat in a way. That's right. All right. So let's move on to question number three. And question number three is <clears throat> not to be confused with former Miami Heat forward and tattoo tableau Chris Anderson. And the question, what is the stage name of American rapper Brian Christopher Williams? 
Williams is the co-founder and public face of Cash Money Records and a member of the hip-hop duo Big Timers. His highest charting single came in 2006 with Stuntin' Like My Daddy, which reached number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100. How are you on rappers, Jared? Uh, not huge on, especially this time period of rappers, and I'm also not a basketball guy, so I don't know who Chris Anderson is either. I think I know, I can picture him, I just, I don't know what his nickname is. Um, I'm trying to go from the the rap angle, because the, the big timers, um, they had like a resurgence album with like Lil Wayne and Drake and stuff, and it was like a duo that like broke up, um the only thing that's come to me is one of the rappers names was baby i think it was like manny fresh and baby but maybe like they called chris anderson like baby face or something like that because maybe he was like attractive i don't know so baby is the only thing that's come to me yeah that's better than anything i have so okay so we'll just, we're just gonna lock in with baby i could have sworn his uh the basketball player's nickname was something like bird something bird related um but i couldn't get a rapper oh, was with it that. birdman birdman yeah so birdman yeah, maybe. All right, Birdman. We'll consider that a lock-in with Birdman. Uh, sure. Yeah, so not to be confused with former Miami Heat forward Chris Anderson. Uh, this is, if you uh, don't know what he looks like, do, do a Google search. Uh, a beautiful tableau of uh, tattoos here. And uh, this rapper, uh, if you read the, the bio of him, was also known as Baby occasionally, but the official stage name was, in fact, Birdman. All right, uh, let's continue then. Number four, the category for this is couch surfing. And uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you three separate clues and there's one word that unifies all three. So all three parts of this are unified by the same word. So I'm looking for the name of a 1996 studio album from the Dave Matthews Band. It's actually their second studio album. I'm looking for the name of former Philadelphia athletic and the namesake of Kevin Costner's character in Bull Durham. And I'm also looking for the collective name for a group of rhinoceroses. I think this is also um, one of Ken's favorite Academy Award winning films. And one of his favorite non-Academy Award winning films. Oh, non-Academy Award winning films? Well, and a non-Academy Award winning film that includes a lot of skin. Cronenberg's Crash. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And Crash. Uh, we said Crash. Yeah, uh, we, we locked in with Crash as well. And Crash does uh, sufficiently fill all three of those requirements. Crash is the correct answer. I got that just from the Bull Durham one, though, because I couldn't tell you the Dave Matthews Band. I Obviously, thought the I know Dave I Matthews that. Band was Crush, and then I got the third clue, and I was like, Crash. Crush into me. It's Crash. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> That brings us to question number five. Question number five in the category of Go F Yourself. And the question, according to Greek mythology, what was the name of the ship sailed by the grandson of Hermes and the husband of Medea in pursuit of the Golden Fleece? All right, we have a very bad guess. Yeah, if the if the Greek ship in question is not Theseus, I'm out. Okay. All right, so Jared, we're not super great on Greek mythology, so I'm trying to find some other clues in this question. What are you thinking on this one? Um, I cannot come up with a ship name in terms of, so Golden Fleece, that two things come to mind. Theseus was one of them, but for some reason I was also thinking, was that what, um, Jason and the Argonauts were going after or is that something totally different? No, I I think you're totally right. I think that's, uh, yeah, Harry Hamlin in the movie, they're going for the Golden Fleece. Um, 
So Jason and the Argonauts. But yeah, in terms of ship, I have no idea. The ship, no, yeah, the, the ship would have named the Argonauts. Um, that was the, the people. That um, was named after a 2012 Academy Award winner. Ah, Jeff just gave me, just like I gave them the clue earlier a little bit. Uh, I don't think that's true, Neil. I was just go, showing that I knew a film thing. Go F Yourself is from the movie Argo. They kept saying that to each other. They go, go F Yourself. Um, so it might be Argo. Oh, you're totally correct. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I've only seen Argo the one time, which was enough. I didn't. I I got as far as Jason and the Argonauts, but uh, I didn't presume the ship was called Argo. Well, um, that kind of makes sense. The knots would be like the, sure. Yeah. yeah, we didn't say that though. We said it was the golf because we were just looking at go f yourself, and uh, I saw golf. <laughs> uh, the grandson of Hermes and the husband of Medea is Jason, and the sailors he guided were the Argo knots, and the Argo knots were the sailors on the Argo. Argo is the correct answer. With five questions in the bank in the second round, uh, talk to Jeff and NC Mayday picking up 30 points each. So the scores are moving up uh, equally here to 172 for Talk to Jeff, 184 for NC Mayday. Great. If we start the second half of round uh, number two, then uh, the question, question number six, the category is banned on the run. And the question, what American sitcom that ran on NBC from 1990 to 1997 and was set at Tom Nevers Field? was created and produced by former Cheers writers, David Angel, Peter Casey, and David Lee, existed in the same Cheers universe, and occasionally welcomed Cheers characters to its episodes. We can lock in, Jared. Can I just coach by chance? Oh, that would make sense. I like it. Okay. All right, well, um, if you do pick up a copy of Behind the Screens, uh, there's a, a fact in here about this show. Um, this show is one of three shows uh, known uh, for Kelsey Grammer. He won an Emmy for three different appearances as the same character on Frasier, Cheers, and Wings. So we said Wings. And this was set at Tom Nevers' airfield. This is the television show Wings. Question number seven in the category, a little baseball reference here, hitting right-handed against a southpaw. The question, what military unit is the smallest led by a commissioned officer? and typically is made up of between 20 and 50 troops. This officer is often a first or second lieutenant or equivalent rank. The word derives from a 17th century French term that now describes the large pack of riders in a cycling race. All right, we are locked in. So Jared, you're in the military. Um, the only thing I can give to this is I know hitting right-handed against a southpaw is usually what I don't know statistics say is more advantageous for the team. So they you don't want to you know have the same batter right-handed go up against a right-hander, left go up against left. So I don't know what that has to do with military units, but yeah. So um, so unfortunately, I'm in the Air Force. I do believe this is referring to an Army term, um, which I'm somewhat familiar with, just not as familiar. However, after thinking about it a little bit. I believe the pack of riders in a cycling race, the American term that I'm familiar with is a peloton, um, which sounds similar to platoon, which I do believe is a small army unit. So I would go with platoon. Okay. I, that's great reasoning for me. We're going to lock that in. And we said battalion. So a few different ways to come at this answer. Uh, the 17th century French term that now describes a large pack of riders. This is where the, uh, uh, stationary bike company gets its name. That is a peloton. That's a, an old French term. 
And then uh, hitting right-handed against the southpaw, uh, we mentioned uh, advantageous matchups. Football teams might do this if they have uh, one running back who is a big bruiser and another one who catches passes. You're sort of uh, splitting up the skill sets uh, in what's known as a platoon. Platoon is what we're looking for there. Nice, Jared. I've not heard that in the in the football sense. All right, so we go now to question number eight. Question number eight, and the category is a card game for the new millennium. And the question, what major American city provides the name for several variants of stud poker in which the highest scoring hand splits the pot with the highest concealed spade? It's also a popular gambling game in Scandinavia where scores are kept rather than wagered on a hand-to-hand basis. I have absolutely no idea, Jared. I, I know I mentioned Greek mythology and um, children's literature. This is the other weak spot of Triviality, the card game. So, Okay, well, I have a guess, but I'm kind of iffy on this one. So I do play a little bit of poker, but I stick to mainly Texas Hold'em. Um, but I have heard of a variant that I'm not too familiar with called PLO, or Pot Limit Omaha. Okay. which I do know is an American city, but the rules in terms of splitting the pot and the concealed spade, that doesn't sound too familiar, but I don't have a better answer. So if, if you're okay with that, I think we can go with Omaha. I'm fine with that. Uh, we also said Omaha. Uh, well, I do play a bit of poker on the side, and I'm actually a big fan of uh, Pot Limit Omaha, but we are not looking for the Nebraska city. Uh, I was trying to find a way here to give you guys a little home cooking without being too obvious. Card Game for the New Millennium is a reference to, uh, people know it as The Bean, but that's in Millennium Park. And this card game is Chicago. Wow. Never heard of that. All right. So as we move into the final two questions of this round, I've been debating whether or not to reveal something. But if you have not been uh, paying attention to your previous answers for this round, you may want to do so as they may serve as another uh, way to get to the answers. So that gets us to number nine, poetry with a twist. And the question, what American poet who passed in January of 2019 at the age of 83 was renowned for her work that celebrated the natural world with sincere wonderment? Her collection of poems, American Primitive, earned her the 1984 Pulitzer Prize. And in 2007, the New York Times described her as, quote, far and away the country's best-selling poet, end quote. Jared, I know the theme he's talking about, so I'm just kind of... I've got the theme, too. Going through it. Well, we were trying to fit this uh, secret theme that we figured out. We can't do it, uh, so we're just going to take a guess at Angelou. Jared and I had a conversation. Um, We didn't know who the poet was. We went completely by the theme of the game. And going through uh, the unused answers for the theme, uh, we're just going to lock in with a last name, and we're going to say Oliver. And I do think that this is probably one of the most challenging questions in the entire game. I was hoping to help you along with the category, which is poetry with a twist, and that is Oliver, as in the poet Mary Oliver. And finally, that takes us to question number 10, which I'm beginning to think the category clue is very apt, and that category is Please wrap this round up ASAP. And the question, what classic animated character with a heyday from 1959 to 1964 shared a house with his co-star in the small town of Frostbite Falls, Minnesota, 
wore a pair of blue aviator goggles on his head and used the catchphrase, Hokey Smoke. The character was voiced by June Foray, who also provided the voices of Natasha Fatala, Nell Fenwick, and a handful of other female characters. Okay, luckily Jared and I uh, knew the theme and helped us out here. Uh, we think that this is Rocky. Yeah, of Rocky and Bullwinkle fame, we also chose Rocky. Again, a few uh, small Easter eggs in this clue uh, provided the voices of Natasha, of course, uh, who was partnered with Boris, uh, and uh, wrap this round up ASAP, uh, maybe the, uh, the singer and artist ASAP Rocky there. This is Rocky. And uh, to those who haven't figured out the uh, category yet, do you want to give it up? Yeah, I was going through uh, figuring out a way I could tie all 10 of these questions uh, together. And it was uh, occasionally like fitting a square peg in a circular hole or other way around. But these are all uh, the names of Best Picture Academy Award winners. So these are all Best Picture films that uh, also satisfy these 10 clues. Speaking of satisfaction, Neil. Speaking of satisfaction is correct, Ken. You must have some. Uh, we do have a little bit. Uh, normally we can't get any, but uh, we do have some today because uh, at the end of regulation, it looks like Talk to Jeff picking up just 10 points, bringing their total to 182 to wager in the final round, and NC Mayday picking up 40 points, extending their lead to 224. What are our categories today? Excellent. We'll head into the final round like a couple of Rolling Stones, uh, but your categories here uh, I'm going to give you uh, category clues, and then I'll also, just because I think it'll help you with your wagering a little bit, tell you sort of what ballpark you're in uh, okay. as well. So uh, category number one is ghost protocol. This is a food question. Question number two is rogue nation. It's an international relations question. Question number three is fallout. That's a music question. Number four is dead reckoning part one. That's a geography question. And question number five, or category number five, is Dead Reckoning Part Two. This is a multiculturalism question. Our wages are now locked in. Let's go ahead and get those questions. All right, we're looking at question number one in the category of Ghost Protocol. In 2007, the Bhutan Ghost Pepper was certified as the world's hottest pepper, registering more than one million units on the Scoville scale. Its record has since been eclipsed twice first by the Trinidad Scorpion Butch Tea Pepper in 2011, and most recently in 2013, by what grimly perilous variety that remains the hottest in the world? Question number two in the category of Rogue Nation. Near the end of the Clinton administration, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright announced that the term rogue state would be abolished in favor of the phrase state of concern. In the aftermath of the September 11th attacks, George W. Bush rebooted the concept when he referenced Iraq, Iran, and North Korea with what three-word phrase? Question number three in the category of Fallout. A single from Fallout Boy's 2015 album, American Beauty, American Psycho, shares a name with what actress who won MTV's Best Fight Scene in a Movie Award in back-to-back -back years, 2004 and 2005. Category number four, Dead Reckoning, part one. The shores of the Dead Sea are the lowest land point on Earth at 430 meters below sea level. The Dead Sea is bordered on its western shore by the West Bank and Israel, 
and on its eastern shore by what country? And category number five, Dead Reckoning Part Two. In celebration of Dia de los Muertos, Mexican families built ofrendas or altars to their loved ones. They also commonly will scatter the colorful petals of what flower on these altars in, and in cemeteries with the belief that they could help attract ancestors to family homes. All right, we have our questions and uh, we will be right back with our answers after this break. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. And we are back with our answers. Um... But since we have a little Mission Impossible theme going, what was that that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman says to Tom Cruise? Tell me where the rabbit's foot is. I'm going to find her. I'm going to hurt her. I'm going <laughs> to find you. your wife. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. Yeah. And that is a threat for the uh, final round here. We have wagered 30s all the way down, and your wagers are? Uh, we wagered uh, 20 on all of them except for uh, Fallout and Dead Reckoning Part 1. We all wagered right. 25. All right. So we will have to see how this game turns out. Let's have the questions one more time. All right, here are your questions, should you choose to accept them. In 2007, the Bhutan ghost pepper was certified as the world's hottest pepper, registering more than 1 million units on the Scoville scale. Its record has since been eclipsed twice, first by the Trinidad Scorpion Butch Tea Pepper in 2011. Uh, might be the name of the next movie after uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2, mm-hmm, by the way. Right. And then it was, uh, again, eclipsed in 2013 by what grimly perilous variety that remains the hottest in the world? We said the Carolina Reaper. Yep, we agree. We said Carolina Reaper. And Carolina Reaper is the correct answer. 
Question number two, Rogue Nation. Near the end of the Clinton administration, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright announced that the term rogue state would be abolished in favor of the phrase state of concern. In the aftermath of the September 11th attacks, George W. Bush rebooted the concept when he referenced Iraq, Iran, and North Korea with what three-word phrase? Uh, yep, I kind of remember this, and I think you said axis of evil. Uh, sure, yeah, we said the same thing, axis of evil. Not to be confused with my 2016 Ford Explorer that broke down last week with an axle of evil issue, this the axis of evil. Number three, Fallout. A single from Fallout Boy's 2015 album, American Beauty, American Psycho, shares a name with what actress who won MTV's Best Fight Scene in a Movie Award in back-to-back -back years, 2004 and 2005. Yep, that's probably for uh, Kill Bill and my super ex-girlfriend. Uh, we said <laughs> Uma Thurman. It's weird, though. That song just has a, a crazy preoccupation with the other Tenertino movie that she's in, so... Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, we thought it was uh, what Quentin Tarantino called uh, an incredible feat. Um, Uma Thurman. And this is uh, Uma Thurman. Question number four, Dead Reckoning Part 1. The shores of the Dead Sea are the lowest land point on Earth at 430 meters below sea level. The Dead Sea is bordered on its western shore by the West Bank and Israel and on its eastern shore by what country? Yeah, so I believe this is in the, the kind of south of the country, so not up towards Syria. So we guessed it was uh, boarding with Jordan. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about this one a little bit. We weren't too sure, just trying to think of what countries were in that area. But we also said Jordan. Had I needed to provide another clue, I probably would have gone with the six-time NBA Finals MVP. But this is Jordan. And finally, number five, final question of today's game. In celebration of Dia de los Muertos, Mexican families built ofrendas or altars to their loved ones. They also commonly will scatter the colorful petals of what flower on these altars and in cemeteries with the belief that they can help attract ancestors to family homes. Uh, we were pretty sure these are marigolds. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we, uh, we couldn't think of the name of the flower. We were trying to think about cocoa and we knew it was like a a gold or orangish flower. So we just said dandelion, just as a guess. Having both a five-month-old and a three-year-old at home. Uh, I've seen this uh, film Coco a few times, and that was the point of reference here. These colorful orange flowers are marigolds. Okay, folks, what an ending to today's game. Uh, the team of NC Mayday was was going a little conservative with their betting. They thought if they could just get 110 by batting perfect that they could pull out the win. But unfortunately... With missing the last question, they're only going to get 70 points, bringing their total to 294. But uh, it pays to go big or go home because Talk to Jeff uh, got all 150 of their wagered points, bringing them to 332 and making them today's cream of the crop. Odd balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are. <sighs> Man, I, I didn't think that was possible. What a, what an incredible performance by you guys. Yeah, you were dominant through the whole thing. I got to give you guys credit. Yeah, no, it was uh, what a comeback story from you guys. Uh, one of Chris Chris Pratt's favorite words, and uh, yeah, we um, we had a, a good game. We thought uh, all the way up until here, uh, Jared. Uh, I, you were such a good partner. I, I felt like we were in sync uh, the entire time, and uh, it just kind of fell apart at the end, unfortunately. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think we uh, definitely complimented each other's weaknesses there, but unfortunately, that one last question. But no, great time. Thank you guys. Wait, aren't you supposed to compliment strengths, not weaknesses? 
I don't want. Sorry, well, strength. Yeah. I don't know if you were being funny. Just... We're just complimenting each other the whole time. But uh, Jared, you were such a great partner. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll play with you anytime. I feel like it, you made me feel a little bit smarter uh, because we had such a great uh, camaraderie here. So, uh, any you know, shout outs, last words before we let you go today? Uh, sure, yeah, I'll give a shout out to my old trivia team that I used to play with, uh, my friends Alec and Monica. It's been a while, so miss you guys, and really enjoyed playing trivia with you all. Also, want to shout out one of my friends, uh, Becca. We were supposed to go to play some Harry Potter trivia tonight. Unfortunately, with this taping, we could not. Um, but next time, we'll definitely get out there. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Shout out to all of those, and uh, feel free to have Becca, you know, Expelliarmus on us, or whatever the the term is, to get rid of us or something. So, um, Ken, uh, you guys were victorious, and uh, the only way that we can, you know, compliment you is is the questions were, were even better than your performance, and that's all down to Corey. So, Corey, thank you so much for putting this game together. Uh, any any shout outs? Anything you'd like to say before we uh, bid you adieu today? Uh, yeah, thank you uh, to all the friends and family um, who uh, try to refrain from rolling their eyes too hard when uh, I go down a pun path or try and come up with questions for these games. Uh, and then uh, all the local teams at the Slanted Tree here in Fairfield, uh, sort of my uh, bi-weekly haunt where I go and uh, run games. So if you're in the neighborhood, stop on by. Yeah, you could you could definitely tell uh, compliments to you that uh, you're a, a well-seasoned trivia writer because I thought that the questions were uh, were just uh, very precisely written. Top notch. Yeah. yeah, welcome back anytime. Yeah, um, as Mark Twain says, if I had um, more time, I would have written a shorter letter. And uh, I thought I thought your questions were very well put together. And uh, as someone who will be writing an upcoming game very soon, I hope to uh, take some inspiration, match that quality. Yep. Well, you guys had us in the first nine tenths, got to admit. Uh, but uh, that'll be the uh, the show for today. And, of course, uh, we want to thank our network, Airwave Media. Uh, you can find them at airwavemedia.com, and they have some great shows such as Culture Kids, Pulse of the Planet, and Unspookable. Ooh. And that'll do it for the show. Uh, once again, want to thank our guests. want to thank Jeff, Neil, Matt, wherever he is again. DJ Scat Cat Convention. Uh, that's right. And I am Ken, and that was Triviality. 